This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. Some of Australia's best race mares, many of them in fold at Champion Stallions, will be offered at this year's English Chairman's Sale, which will be conducted with online and telephone bidding on Friday, May the 8th. 55 fillies and mares form the main catalogue, headlined by multiple Group 1 winner in her time, Group 1 Oakley Plate winner Booker, who will be sold unreserved, Group 1 winner and four-time Group 1 place getter Unforgotten, clean up the dam of Doncaster winner Natoya in Fold the Autumn Sun, Group 1 winner Young Star, a daughter of internationally respected stallion High Chaparral. Among the latest wildcard entries is the outstanding race filly Fundamentalist, a daughter of not a single doubt, and Infold to Zoo Star. This filly was Group 1 placed five times. The Chairman's Sale will begin at 3pm on Friday, May 8, online at inglis.com.au with a live broadcast hosted by Caroline Searcy. For those looking for the right mare to create a commercial family that will breed on for generations, this is the sale for you. The English Chairman's Sale, Friday, May 8, online. My special guest is Brad Pengelly, who did his apprenticeship in Sydney with Ron Quinton, but is currently riding in Queensland. Uh, he's far better suited by the warmer weather and at the moment he's got his weight pretty well under control at 56.5 or 57 and he has ridden in the last month no less than 20 winners on northern tracks. The late Bruce McLaughlin contacted you in 2005 and offered you a role at his famous Thornhill Park training complex at Caboolture. You thought Queensland's climate might help you control your weight. That's right, Johnny. Yeah, so I was, prior to this, I was out at Parramatta and I was running a lot for Gerald and, and things were things were really good, but a lot of them had get 53, Johnny, and, and it was just really affecting me sort of thing and, and um, I couldn't I couldn't sort of fulfil my engagements at times and, and it was just, yeah, like a going, a going on a downhill spiral sort of thing and, and it was just at that time when Bruce contacted me and, I thought about it hard and, and I thought, you know, and, and actually Gerald, I spoke to him about it and he, he said, mate, you won't get a better job up there than mm-hmm. than, than that one, you know, and, and so so that's what I did and, and we're based at Cla- at Sunshine Coast there and, and um, mm-hmm. things went really good. He, he didn't have a lot of, see, Bruce, Bruce had done so well in town for so many years. Um, I think he was scaling back a bit in a sense and he was mm-hmm. more focused on Sunshine Coast and whatever would eventuate from that then he'd go to town mm. so um but that suited me anyway you know like I, I was just happy to be to be riding and and um gaining sort of um gaining the um support from various trainers through all this see so it was it was it was i think a good decision were you riding work every day on that beautiful private training track he had at thornhill park no so i never actually went to that see at that time mm. johnny uh Bruce was Bruce was uh, stabled at at Coolbold Park at the oh, at, at yep. Sunshine Coast track, and mm. um, his he had the had the great great stables there, and and um, this is prior to what what's been established now mm. at Sunny Coast. But um, but yeah, that's that's what we did, and and I never actually went out to that farm, but um, I've heard 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 many great things from it. Yeah. Mm. How long did you stay in Queensland, and how many opportunities came your way? 
yeah, so I, I got to Queensland in um, the end of 2005 and it was through, I was there until 2010. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, with with the success I had with with Bruce, I think we won the we won the um, premiership, obviously locally, and 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 through a few horses, I gained a few extra rides, and then Kelso would come and invo- become involved, and mm-hmm. and and trainers like Pat Duff, and and so forth, and and I, I was doing quite well, and my strike rate was going going pretty good, and then mm-hmm. and then. Fortunately, I come across a horse who, who took me to the Magic Millions, which was great. Mm, that horse was called Heart of the City. He was trained by Pat Duff, and he came from a mile back in the field, if I recall, Brad. Yeah, that's right, Johnny. So I remember during that week, um, obviously, it was a bit of bit of a build up, and and um, he had unfortunately drew the outside barrier fourteen out of fourteen, you know, and mm. Pat because. Prior to the prior to his his run in the Magic Millions, um, he, he um he was a horse who would be on pace, you know, and so I was, I was at Ipswich on uh, on the Thursday prior to the Saturday, and, and I asked I asked Paddy if I could ride him quiet, you know, and obviously he'd never been ridden quiet before, and mm-hmm. yeah, so that was that was uh, obviously a wing move. Pat Duff, of course, is well known as the master of. A couple of uh, brilliant apprentices over the years. Mick Dittman was one. I think Jimmy Byrne was another. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 he's such a world of knowledge, um, Paddy Duff, and and he's good friends with my father. And and yeah, it, it was a real pleasure to win for them. It's obviously frustrating that you haven't yet been able to win a Group One. You've had two seconds. One of them was Midnight City in the size produce stakes when it was still a group one, and the other was on Barchi Amore in the TJ Smith two-year-old classic. That's right, Johnny, yeah. So it's something that ekes at me for, you know, like I guess every jockey in my situation would be feeling the same, you know. Um, you know, it's easy to say that I haven't had many decent sort of rides in those type of races but you know I've probably had my chance that's for sure but mm. anyway it's it's just the way it is and um I just I you know you never say never and and um I, I plan to continue to ride as, as long as I possibly can so it's not all over over yet Johnny. <laughs> oh no we mentioned a horse there Barchi Amore who was yeah. trained by David Payne. Now you formed a really good association with David to the extent, Brad, that he would occasionally fly you from Brisbane to ride horses in Sydney. Yeah, that's right. So I prior to moving to, to Queensland, I had a little little bit of success for David. I didn't have many rides for him, but I was fortunate enough to, to win on a couple of them and mm-hmm. he must have kept kept that in mind and, and um every now and then he whenever because Jeff Lloyd was riding for him quite uh, quite quite often for him mm-hmm. during that time and Whenever he got suspended, he'd asked me to come down, and, and um, I was fortunate enough to to be successful for him. And, and um, we, we linked up with this with this mare who, who um, ran in the light fingers, Rockney Baby, her name was, and, mm. and um, she 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 won she won the, the light fingers for me. And and, yeah. and 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 you know, like it was it was just amazing the um, the luck that we had, sort of thing. On, on, you know, not many opportunities, sort of thing. You know, it was just a it's 
something just worked, yeah. Mm. David Payne put you on a handy two-year-old filly in the autumn of 2007. Her name was Hurried Choice. You rode her three times, you ran fifth in the Silver Slipper, second in the Risling Stakes, and then you were unplaced in the Golden Slipper, but you were only four lengths behind the winner Forensics. It was your only slipper ride and a big thrill. Yeah, it was a big thrill. Um, you know, that that was actually the year when when we all had to wear the gold silks, John, yeah. Mm. So um, uh, I think Damien Oliver won the race on over. Over, yeah. Correctly. Yeah, mm. yeah. So Hurry Choice, yeah, she, she drew a decent barrier and, and, you know, I was quietly confident she was about a 15 to 1 sort of chance and, she gave me a good thrill, Johnny. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a lovely day. Bart Cummings put you on, didn't he? From time to time, I recall you winning a listed race in Brisbane for Bart on a horse who went on to Group One success later, Sermione. That's right. Yeah. So I, um, I was very fortunate. I, it was actually a real pleasure to ride for Bart. It, it was, it was like an. I used to love putting on the. Dardo Chinnam colours, you know, and, and it, I got a lot of pleasure out of that, Johnny, and, and I was fortunate enough to, Lenny Beasley was riding a lot for him back in the day, and, and um, he'd tell me, he said, oh, I'd, I'd love you to, I remember him saying, you know, he's a he's a great bloke to be riding for, he'd ride a bit of work for him, you know, and mm. anyhow, um, Billy Charles was his racing manager at the time, and, and I got on really well with Billy, and so therefore I, I was able to gain a couple of rides, and, and quite quite successfully too with re- with respect mm. to um I never got many many um big noted horses obviously but um but yeah it was just a it was just a fantastic um I hold it I hold it very um in my heart in a Near sense and to, dear. to have yep. ridden for, yeah to have ridden for him you know and mm. he was another who, who never used to over over overbear you with um instructions and he gave me the ride on viewed actually one day. Um, this was prior to him winning the Melbourne Cup, and <laughs> that was a that was obviously I didn't think I was on a Melbourne Cup winner at the time, but <laughs> no. he, um, he 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 uh, he did very well in in the future for sure. Yeah, did you ride him in the Chipping Norton Stakes? It was a wait for age race, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I did, Johnny. I think mm. I did. You know, and and he was sort of obviously on the on the path of sort of. Gaining mileage in his legs, so to speak, and yeah. yeah, no, it was a great thrill. You've had three wins in Queensland, which meant a great deal to you. You've won three different editions of the Ken Russell Memorial, two on the Gold Coast with Midnight City and Cesar, and another one at Rockhampton on Marway. You were a great, great fan of the late Ken Russell. So, Johnny, we spoke about. Um, me not achieving Group One success, you know, and and that eats at me a lot. But um, I tell you, the feeling that I got from winning the Kenny Russell race for the first time—it just—I remember I had tears in my eyes. You know, it, it's yeah. only a it's only a Group Three race, you know, but it's um, you know, it was just the um, the feeling I got was it was it was just a just a surreal feeling, you know, and and um, I was fortunate enough to have met his wife. In the presentation and 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 his and his brothers sort of thing and yeah, Carol and yeah, Bill. That's right, John. Mm. Yeah, so that was that was a a, a real um, highlight of my career for sure. Two thousand and ten, you were back in Sydney. You battled away for a couple of years, but opportunities were few. 
and your weight was through the roof. Your son Bailey was in high school, so you had to change direction. You actually quit race riding for a while, uh, kept riding work for Anthony Cummings and for Gay and for John Thompson, I think, and you took a second job at Sydney Airport. What were you doing at the airport? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Johnny, like I moved from, yeah, I've moved from from Queensland. Obviously, when Bailey started his high school, I wanted to be closer to him throughout his high school, sort of thing. And and um, so I chipped away there, and and weight wasn't wasn't great, and you got no chance in in Sydney if you if you can't ride fifty four, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so I did my best for as long as I possibly could, and and then. And so I retired and, and got on to Anthony Cummings and, and he, he gave me the job at obviously writing work for him. But um, a, a fellow that I I lived at, Cronulla at the time, and, and a bloke two doors down worked at the airport mm. and, and, and we used to catch up for a beer every now and then and, and, and he said, why don't, you, why don't you come out and have a look out here sort of thing. And, and mm. I had no experience with anything else other than riding horses, so, you know, so... So we did that, and so what I was doing, I started off for for Menzies Aviation. I worked as a baggage handler at first, and then you sort of you got to go up the ladder in a sense with regards to your experience. And um, I sort of I really enjoyed it, and I finished up finished up driving machinery up to the plane, and and um, and the the cargo hoist they call them an FMC, mm. and they they hoist the cargo up onto the plane, and and then the guy. On the on the plane controls it to go in, in onto the plane. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it was it, it, you know it was it it was um, no flash job or anything, Johnny. But mm-hmm. it was, it served my purpose because I could sort of work of an evening. Yeah, and um, we worked on the DHL plane, and who then obviously I didn't know at the time, but they they obviously um, take horses over to New Zealand, sort of thing. So mm, they do. Yeah, I was I was, I was driving. The, Driving the horses up to the to the plane and and um, yeah, it was just a it was actually a great experience. I gained some really close friends out of the experience, you know. So it was really good. The Gosford Race Club standalone meeting will be held on Saturday, the 9th of May, at Royal Randwick. Unfortunately, the half million dollar race that was to be called the Coast has been postponed for now to be replaced by a benchmark event. In the absence of the coast, the spotlight will fall on the Gosford Gull Cup and the takeover target stakes, while the bush horses will be there for a Class 3 TAB highway over 1,200 metres. One week later, May 16, and Rosehill Gardens will host the Scone Race Club standalone Saturday, featuring six black-type races. The highlight will be the Group 3 Dark Jewel Classic, Supported by five listed races, the Luscan Star, the Hortensia, the Denise's Joy for three-year-old fillies, the Woodland Stakes for two-year-old fillies, and the Inglis three-year-old guineas. Who would have thought the Gosford Cup would be run at Royal Randwick and the Dark Jewel Classic at Rosehill Gardens? Unusual measures for extraordinary times. Your son Bailey is now 22 and he's working in real estate at Cronulla. They tell me in his mid-teens he showed enormous promise as a league player, so much so that the talent scouts had their eyes on him at one stage. Yeah, Johnny, he showed a lot more heart on the footy field than what I did. I tell you, <laughs> he, um, he, he he was, you know, like he he had a growth spurt from about, from 
when he was when he was ten to fourteen, you know, and 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 he just did really well, you know, and 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 he made the New South Wales side when he was uh, I think he was fifteen, and and um, looked like he was, you know, everything was going according to plan, and and, and it was, you know, he, I'd get so much pleasure out of watching him play, and um, but then obviously he, he didn't grow anymore from that, you know, and obviously his mum's smaller than me, you know, so. You know, Gene's probably he had no no chance of getting too too uh, too much bigger. But um, mm. yeah, he did his best for as long as he as long as he could, and he had had um, he was almost in almost in the South Sydney's and and, and Cronulla as well, and mm. just couldn't quite crack it, you know. And but um, he, him being like me, he was so determined, you know, and and it was very hard for him to to um, to to, to Put, put footy on the back burner, but um, mm. the real estate situation became apparent, and and he's he likes rocking up to work in a suit and everything. So yeah, <laughs> he, he, I think I think you found his little niche. <laughs> Finally, you decide on a comeback, and you make the call to go back to the hot weather in Queensland. Who were the trainers who kickstarted you this time around? Right, so um, I uh, I contacted. Obviously, Kelso Wood. I had a lot of success for uh, when I first come back. Uh, sorry, uh, in, when I was in Brisbane prior to this, and mm-hmm. and um, but he was sort of tapering off too, though you know. But Les Ross was the one who who supported me first, and and um, mm-hmm. he's he's a wonderful trainer with regards to buying sort of you know on the on the um, cheaper end of the scale sort of thing, and and being so successful with them and. Mm. I think he's one of the most successful trainers in QT's races, I believe, Johnny. I, mm. I don't know the facts to that, but um, he's done so well out of those horses, you know. And yeah, um, you know, it, it it was just a it was just a matter of um, establishing myself and and showing people that I could that I could um, ride, obviously, you know. And because mm. once you're in our game, you, once you're out of sight, out of mind, sort of thing, and, and that's mm. exactly what it's like. Les Ross actually trained your first winner back, and that was uh, a mare called Miss Interiors at Ipswich, almost five years ago now. Yeah, that's right, John. It, it was um, it was only a little race at Ipswich, but it gave me a great feeling. To um, it's amazing that feeling that you get. You forget about it in the sense where I give. I I didn't ride for over three years, and and um, when I achieved that, it was like wow, you know, this is. Yeah. I can't believe I'd give up this, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You loved it, yeah. Now, Brad, when you look at all the setbacks and all the stops and starts, you've done well to ride 1,100 winners, haven't you? Well, Johnny, it's, it's you know, like obviously it doesn't sound that much when you when you consider my age and everything, but, you know, like I've, I'm always going to the races with two and three rides as opposed to eight rides, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I can only ride a certain amount of matter rides on a day sort of thing due 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 to my weight a, a lot of the time and and um so I you know I'm I'm quite happy with that one Johnny to be honest you mm-hmm. know like it's it, what's important to me is the strike rate and and um I know you can't eat strike rates or anything like that but yep. but um it, it makes me feel like as if I'm where I where I need to be sort of thing I, mm-hmm. I think I'm on about 12 12 or 13% over my career sort of thing and, and oh, yeah. you know mm-hmm. it, it's not too bad you know your strike rate's pretty healthy at the moment, 20 winners in the last four weeks. Now, with so little racing, you, you say you're only riding one day a week at the moment during the restrictions. 
What are you doing in between race meetings? So what I've been doing is um, trying to get out fishing as much as I possibly can. See, it's just the worst time of the year for fishing up here, Johnny. Like um, just off off Gladstone, there's a little island that we fish around, and and um, I've been fortunate to go out with Dad and my uncles and and uh, my brother, mm. and um, you know, coral trout is is one of the nicest fish you can eat, I think. And mm. to catch one of them, it's like like a buddy. Like the feeling I think I'd get with a Group One winner, I, really? I'd yeah. say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're pretty good eating. Yeah, but as far as your weight's concerned, are you, you having a run? Are you sweating at all between meetings? Yeah. So what I do, Johnny, it's it's pretty important that I that I limit the amount that I eat. So I think with only one day a week, it's it, it does, it's not enough to mm. to um, sustain your weight. So therefore, I've got to keep active. So um, I try to. I've, I've shrinked my stomach in a sense in this situation with regards to I, I, I try to have a few meals in a day but really only only small ones sort mm. of thing and I, but I, I eat what I want to eat in a sense where mm. I like to cook and, and things like this and, and um, I don't deprive myself of too much but I just got to limit it as, as much as I can and, and that way I'm not I'm not um, having to take too much off uh, you know by, by Monday leading into Tuesday, you know. So mm-hmm. that's just the way, yeah, I guess you have to adapt in any any business with, that, that changes. You, you've got to adapt to the situation and, and mm-hmm. that, that's that's my situation, mate, yeah. Goodness knows when these restrictions are going to be lifted, but when they are, I imagine you'll be hightailing it straight back to Brisbane. Yeah, definitely, Johnny. It, 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 you know, like it, it's been, been fantastic riding up here and, and – um, and I and prior to prior to the um the COVID nineteen, like I, I was flying up here quite often to ride as well, sort of thing. And and um, you know, but I'm I'm pretty keen. Like I I miss riding in town, and and um, you need obviously need the support and and everything like this. But um, I'm hoping I'm hoping people will take a bit of notice. Yeah, I I haven't I haven't finished riding winners yet. That's for sure. <laughs> You're forty two years old, Brad, and twenty five or thirty years ago. That was about the cut-off point for jockeys in Australia, certainly in Sydney, just ask Ron Quinton. But blokes yeah. like Jeff Lloyd and Michael Carl uh, have revolutionised the, um, you know, the kind of support that the veteran jockeys are getting now around Australia. Isn't it fantastic, Johnny? Like, it's um, it's amazing what John, uh, what um, Jeff, Jeff Lloyd Achieved and Michael Carl, he, he's one of the high, highest respected riders in Queensland, and mm. you know to be still riding at his absolute best, um, I tell you, he's one of the best jockeys to be following in a race, in my opinion. You know, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it's just it's just a credit. And if I can if I can ride at their age, I, I'd be I, I'd know that I've achieved something for sure. And a couple of others who deserve special mention, Brad, not as old as Michael Carl and Jeff Lloyd. But certainly, well, Glenn Boss has turned 50 and Damien Oliver's got to be giving it a nudge, hasn't he? Well, exactly right. It's just, it, it, it just keeps going on and on sort of thing. And, and um, yeah, it's just I'm still filthy on Bossy, actually. He, um, <laughs> he beat me in that Group 1 race. <laughs> he did too. <laughs> but, yeah, no, fantastic jockey and, and, um, and yeah, Second to none, obviously, Damien Oliver is in that same category. He's just a wonderful person as well. Mm. Um, and, and to 
I've ridden with those boys, it, it's, it's, you know, I've, I hold that close to my heart, 100%. Mm. Well, Brad, this is the first time in 18 years you and I have had a chat. I've enjoyed it immensely. I've been watching your progress closely. Congratulations on all you're doing currently. And uh, I just know uh, that you're going to keep up the good work when you get back to the metropolitan area. Thank you very much, John. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for talking to me, Brad Pengelly, on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress.